Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. If I've missed anything there, some time of the day I'm not familiar with. Good on that too. This morning's Dharma talk is titled, what is it? Do it anyway. Do it anyway. Who came up with that? <laughs> Do it anyway. So that's something I often say when run into some kind of a barrier, some kind of difficulty somebody's having, I, you know, just do it anyway. Do the do the form, do the practice. I'm not saying obey me. I don't mean that. It's uh, And I will even comment on that right away, that true devotion is not about obedience. Obedience is not devotion. It's what? It's obedience. It's taking away your, your liberty as an individual. Even if that individual is severely confused and having a lot of trouble, you should your confusion should be respected, not interfered with based on what a teacher, any teacher, this teacher thinks about you. Anytime someone's trying to get control of you or demanding anything of you, of you especially in the spiritual path, red flags should go up everywhere. Don't obey anyone. Don't don't ignore anyone. You don't have to particularly obey. This is a teaching that was uh, not only in the Tibetan tradition, but the Chinese tradition, Japanese, all kinds of obeying the teacher. Only took me three, uh, a little over three decades to realize that it was probably not a very helpful thing to do even though my teacher uh, did that, at least my first teacher did. My, uh, my Zen master, Kobanchina Roshi, uh, I didn't see enough of him to even know if that ever happened with him. I just know that he got very mad at Shoho Michael because he wouldn't marry Leslie. Sorry, that's all the details you're getting. <clears throat> So he did get irritated or upset or with his very close student, someone who was a fully ordained monk about what they were doing and not doing because he's trying to help them. So when I say to you, you come to me, if you happen to and say this, this, and this, and this, and tell me things why this isn't working, that's work, not, this isn't, can't get to the cushion, I can't, uh, doesn't seem to be working or whatever I say, just do it anyway. It's not an order, it's just you could consider that if this person is your teacher, that I'm encouraging you to proceed. If you're on the side of a mountain and you're in a, you can't see the top of the mountain, you don't know where the hell the bottom of the mountain is, and you're, all you know is you're in a, in a, a thicket of brush, brush and brambles and sinkholes and bad weather. Uh, you might have to, you might need somebody to say, do it anyway. Just do it anyway. Because there's no, there's no, justification for saying, yes, go ahead and keep torturing yourself by walking through all those prickers. So it's a consideration. It's not an order. And I'll say it again. Obedience is not devotion. Devotion may seem choiceless in some sense, but it's not about following orders. I was in the Marine Corps. It's not particular thing I want to brag about, but I'm saying I know what obedience and I know what following very intense forms 
are. And if you don't follow them, you're punished severely. <clears throat> so I know a little bit about that. One time as I was in Santa Ana, California in 1961, maybe. And, uh, and I was uh, with a bunch of Marines. Young Marines were all 20, 21, maybe 20, <laughs> more like it, out drinking. And uh, I went up to a, uh, got out of the car and went up to a shop where there were, had crafts for sale. It was closed, the door was locked. I was just looking in and I opened the door. <clears throat> I turned the knob. I don't know why I did, but it was open. It was unlocked. So I went in and I thought to myself, my 20 year old thinking at the time, because since I was a thief, uh, I can't leave here without taking something. Um, it'll be te te teaching them a lesson <laughs> something. Well, I took a little box that had some ceramic in the top. It was probably, at that time, probably three bucks. But I took it. Had I been caught, I might still be in prison. I might have never met my teacher or you. So causes and conditions are, the reason I'm saying that is any little thing you're doing is extremely important. There, there is nothing that is not important. So observe. If you're adding to what you observe, as soon as something shows up, if you observe it, then you see it and you see it all of its particles and pieces and all the elaborations around that particular kind of ignorance. But if you, as soon as it comes up, if you immediately start to add on your ideas, your opinions, your judgments, all you're doing is pr protecting an imaginary person. Look at it, do it anyway. Look at all of it. Look at all the pieces and particles of that particular emotion, all the texture of that feeling, that emotion, that reaction. Do it anyway. <clears throat> it's difficult because we're not getting any feedback from that situation that we're on to something, we're getting somewhere. Progress is materialism. Progress on the spiritual path is invisible. If it's visible, it's probably going in a circle. Getting, I'm getting, I'm getting more peaceful. I'm getting more happy. I'm getting, 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 getting. It's beyond that. So you might need, I don't need, I don't need to tell you anything. I don't need to continue at all. I'm not leaving. Not voluntarily. But you may need to have someone that you can give the benefit of the doubt to is the easy way of saying it or trust. So you've been watching them. You've been observing them to give you some feedback that is very direct, very basic and with no deception in it, no motive to get control of you, to get you to do something that you, you wouldn't do if it weren't for uh, some kind of belief going on. There's nothing to believe. If you believe something, if you believe anything, it's not that it doesn't function in some ways. Like I say, excuse me, if you were to say, where's your car at? I would say, well, I believe it's in the parking lot, but I don't know that. I don't know it. Even if someone came in and told me, your car is in the parking lot. You still don't know that. You don't know it's there. It's called not knowing. As soon as you know something else, you create the illusion of time. It's not that there isn't time. 
if I had, didn't have this on, I'd have my watch on, which is a, uh, an analog watch, not a digital watch. We can go into that in another talk, but I can't wear it. So therefore I'm, I don't know what time it is. <laughs> Unless I look at my smartphone, which is pretty smart and also not so smart. Do it anyway, but not an order. It's something to consider. You're talking to someone and I say, do it anyway. And then you might say, well, I don't want to do that. Or I don't feel like doing that. Or I need some other kind of structure to, to make sure that, so I, so it's not up to me. I am trying to help you see it's really up to you. There's only one authority and you're it. Get your own authority as Kobanchina Roshi said once. But that doesn't mean you should jump out of some kind of what, education or mind training so you can see that when you do work with what is happening in front of you, you see that it's not exactly a choice in the conventional sense of saying, should I or shouldn't I? If you say, should I or shouldn't I, you're not at the fork in the road. You're talking about the fork before you even get there. It's called planning. Yes, we should do some planning, but the way you know if something is a plan is it probably won't work. It needs to be adjusted, or we got this wrong, or this we should have been painted red instead of blue. So the idea is to help you be who you are, be genuine, not some fabrication based on what you think you should be. That's difficult. I was helped by both of my teachers, both Chung Parampache, who I acknowledge has a lot of really bad press. I just re recently read something. Uh, uh, a description of things that he was doing, I think, in 1985. They're horrible. But that doesn't mean he didn't save my life. So I don't know what the, what the karma was for that Tibetan. But it was not fun, the way it was described in uh, his book, Born in Tibet. So do it anyway. Practice, train your mind, find out who you are. Don't get your mean, don't get your identity from me or from anyone else, including society or culture, which is uh, legalized insanity. If you haven't noticed, I can give you one great example. This person takes that person's life and rather than looking deeply into what was happening there, we just kill the other kill the person who was the perpetrator it's 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 not even i wouldn't even give it the respect of being called juvenile that actually has some considerations that support that word but it's insanity to do that to to separate ourselves out from each other by one person is bad another person is good So do it anyway, train your mind, see, see for yourself. I will help you, as I often say, I'll help you by encouraging you, not ordering, ordering you around or getting you to obey me because I'm some kind of a guru figure. If you wanna call me guru, go ahead. I don't require anything. Some people still call me by my given name, Bob. That's what they wanna use and use that. If you're a monk, you need to call me Sogadan. Why? 
because I'm calling you Juzan or Junchu or Chezan or we're changing our identity a little bit so uh, so it supports us in making the transition from the cultural identity we were given into an identity uh, a reference point a, a name that helps us transition away from the belief in a separate self of being who can win or lose or live or die or this or that or this or that or this or that it actually goes beyond that you can actually transcend this world while you're sitting in the middle of it did I do that? I make no claims. There's no one left to claim anything. If you do that, it's not a fruition in the sense of, uh, I bought the ingredient, ingredients, I read the recipe, I made the pie, cheesecake, I made the cheesecake, <laughs> thanks. And then uh, we got the cheesecake and we baked it and we ate it, ground path fruition. No, it's ground and path and the, the fruition is indescribable. Not like cheesecake. It's indescribable because you, there are no concepts that can, there's no naming, there's no credential, there's no, there isn't anything else but this. And you're not separate from it. And who you are, your, your true identity has finally become evident. Not separate. Sometimes called, realization or Buddha nature. What have you awakened to? What did the Buddha awaken to? This. What is this? Not separate. Even though it's distant uh, in space, distant in time, those are misunderstandings based on the attachment to relative truth, the attachment to a body, the attachment to a mind. It's not about the body and the mind getting rid of that. It's not about cutting through and trying to control everything and never talk in the Zendo and, and uh, be celibate and all that other crap. Trying to control, trying to control, trying to get to be somebody else. No, I have news for you, my friends, or maybe it's not news. You get to be exactly who you are if you're listening to me. Don't change anything. Just receive everything, receive. Stop meddling with this situation, trying to get to be a better person. When I say, do it anyway, I'm saying, face the truth yourself. It's your mind, your own mind. You need to see it, sit down. We provide a wall. You can provide a refrigerator or a closet door or a trunk of a tree, whatever it is. If it's not moving, look closely, look closely. Receive, do it anyway. In spite of the, the craziness that arises in our mind stream that is telling us on the one hand, we just have to keep going. But, and on the other hand said, why do this? There's no results. I don't feel any better. In fact, I feel worse. That's why you might need a teacher to tell you that's a good sign. Feeling worse because now you're perhaps perhaps starting to actually look at the stuff you've been covering up with your ideas, your convictions, your politics. How am I going to look at that? I believe in that or I believe in that. Don't believe, don't disbelieve, don't look away. Sound exciting? You can do that. You can, it's, a, it's a, like a non-doing. It's more about just receive, just receive what is there and notice that some things are more convincing than others. It's called relative truth.
It's relative because this cannot be here without that. It's dependent on other. You can't have uh, a perpetrator without a victim and vice versa. You can't have it. So we need to look closely into that intense duality that comes up that is flooded with suffering and confusion and fundamentally help others where they're at. The, the perpetrator needs help, maybe to say it relatively, maybe even more than the victim. The victim's a victim. I sometimes ask people if you, if I say, if you, if I forced you, if you were forced to make a choice between being the victim or the perpetrator in, in, a, in a, a murder, which one would you choose? And it just about divides down the middle. Some people would just don't want to be murdered there, so they'd rather be the murderer. Some people don't want to uh, be a murderer, so they'd rather be the victim. Some people want to be the murderer, a uh, little higher level of perception of want to be the murderer so that, that so that that other person doesn't have to suffer the karma of being a murderer. Make sense? No. I'll answer it for you. It doesn't make any sense, but it is about seeing deeply into dependent origination. It's not a bunch of concepts, even though there are probably hundreds of books, at least dozens of books on Pratitya Samutpada or the basic, one of the basic teachings of the Buddha, that nothing comes from its own side as a person. Nothing or as an individual, or a swababa, or a beingness. The beingness is not uh, substantial. It's there, but it's an illusion, and it's an intense illusion. You get up in the morning and have breakfast, take, uh, take a shower, have breakfast, and carry on as if we are somebody because of the attachment to the body-mind complex called a human being. When you find out who you are fundamentally, you see that you're not even limited to a human being, not limited to anything. Limitations, that's a that's an invention, limitations. Any questions so far? Use that. Use If it's fundamentally up to us and we're confused, how can we see through that confusion? To look at. You don't need to see through anything. But you might start to see through it when you see what it fundamentally is. So look at the confusion. That's painful. Most people are going to say, well, let's medicate you or meditate you. Here's a meditation that will take the confusion away. Now, through the centuries, many meditations, many teachers go so far and they don't, re they don't fundamentally real realize what this is. So they teach out of what they know. I don't teach out of what I know. I teach out of what I'm looking at all the time. More? Choose a mic. What is the student-teacher relationship if it's fundamentally up to us? Not separate. You're, you're, you believe you're a solid person. The teacher does not. More? How do we include the teacher if it's fundamentally up to us? So you're doing it. How many questions have you asked me so far today? A lot. 50? Probably something 22. Like that. 38? Did you get a response from me on every single one of them? I think so. In some way? So that's what it's about. Ask. Ask and then I may respond by saying I don't know. I may not have an idea. Jeez, I'm like, how do we include what the teacher gives us as a teaching without obeying it? Uh, well, it's situational, so it's just, um, it's so different with each person, 
so it's different with you. If I'm sitting talking to you, there isn't anybody else but you. I'm not even here. I'm also not not here. Not not here. Lots of knots. There's like too many oars in the boat. Go ahead. James, I'm not. There's something about do it anyway, which to me comes with an obedience to begin with. And it's very confusing to me to hear you talk about it more spaciously, like you might have to do the other thing. How, what direction is that teaching giving? Getting you to look down into that the very material you're asking about. So you see it. That's why there's, that's why I say in our book studies, I say don't, I mean, help people study, but don't teach. Because uh, unless you are, unless you realize your true nature, then you shouldn't teach anybody anything other than maybe how to fix a cheesecake. So don't teach because you'll be teaching out of, uh, out of a relative understanding of it, which we need that. That's why we have all these books. That's why we have 12 book studies a week. Why I encourage that so we can study a lot so that we can have all the concepts that point to realization that show the path to realization. Did you follow? So where was I going? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> good for you. Cheers on bowing. Cheers on. What is the dif- what is the difference between a teacher and an and an instructor, like a meditation instructor bowing? A meditation instructor, which I was trained to do uh, by Trungpa Rinpoche and night or his one of his uh, senior students, uh, uh, the Lopan. Uh, was to teach meditation, uh, uh, shamatha vipassana meditation, um, sit down, hold still, watch the breath, uh, the thinking comes up, return to the breath, uh, just helps stabilize uh, the mind. And then vipassana is more of an open dimension of raising your gaze and looking out and just receiving what's out there. And it's, it's workable to some extent. I just feel that shikantaza and the instruction in that is much simpler and actually accommodates and doesn't get in the way of the particular karma that people need to see. Uh, this other kind that's trying to calm you down, calm abiding, trying to get you to be a calmer person, is uh, it covers up what needs to be seen in your particular karma. So one who is a meditation instructor will have an understanding of that and will be able to teach out of that and lots of other aspects like uh, how much should I sit? And, uh, and then the meditation instructor will be able to talk about various techniques that he or she was taught by their, uh, when they were trained. So the meditation instructor would actually have a specific way of talking about uh, how to help each person and any variables that would come up. Um, sometimes that's done, pardon me, sometimes that's done in a depending on the instructor, it could be pretty repetitive. They might say the same thing over and over. Another person might be more uh, realize that there's variables there where you just don't go in and um, straighten somebody's posture when, when, they, when they don't do that easily. So various things like that, whereas uh, the true teacher is teaching out of what they see. They don't need any information. They see it. It, it, there's no personhood there anymore. And if there is any kind of personhood shows up, the uh, uh, ego, it seemed to be unreal. So it can get, even though it might be demanding, it might be fearful, it might be anything can still show up 
without the reality that it had previous to one's real, realizing their fundamental nature, their true nature, which is not coming or going, is not being born, is not dying, is not doing anything at all. Further question about that, Chiesa? Chiesa, I'm bowing. Is there um, any ability for a meditation instructor to address a student's um, situation specifically instead of a kind of stock response, bowing? I think some, a little bit. You know, you, you just know your limitations. Uh, the way I say it, I've said it even to you, you know what you know, you know what you know, what you don't know, and you don't step across that into some kind of speculation. But as long as you don't speculate on it, as long as you're actually looking at the situation, you're listening to what the person's saying, and you're just coming up with a, with a relative understanding of how to help them. But to speculate about it, about, well, go back and forth about it, maybe a little bit too... Uh, too much. More? Jeez, I'm bowing. It seems like there's a, a gradient coming up to a true teacher, like there's different levels of relative teachers, and I'm just wondering how we can not get seduced into our thoughts of progress when we're working with others, bowing. Just notice your thoughts of progress. Notice, notice them. You don't have to particularly criticize them. Some, one, one person, one individual might need uh, some uh, more encouragement um, uh, from uh, a meditation instructor in that way. If that's happening, it might need more encouragement. So it's uh, there's no there's no like standard in there particularly. The the basic difference between someone who's an instructor and teaching out of out of what they've been instructed and uh, and uh, a teacher who is teaching uh, to say it uh, more specifically, but not necessarily more clearly, they're teaching out of reality because they're not separate from it. They're not separate from the person they're talking to. So they have the same kind of, same confusion. They don't separate as I'm the idealized kind of, I'm the, the enlightened sage. And, and I'm, you know, if you really give me enough, uh, enough uh, obedience, I'll bestow the teaching on you. It's not that kind of baloney. It's just, teaching out of what you know and what and, and knowing what you know and what you don't know. And if you don't know the nature of reality, might not might be a good idea not to teach out of that. That doesn't mean you can't discuss the 30 verses of Vasubandhu and, and go back and forth between with another person, a facilitator or maybe one of the people in that study group about what Vasubandhu is saying, what that what what he is saying in verse number 28 or and how that shows up for you sharing that with someone else or asking about if, if how they see that or understand that conceptual situation uh, is similar. I'm mean, having a discussion about it, but no teaching, no teaching about that. So the idea would be that using the intellect, using the thinking process uh, brings in that, that the ego uh, uh, is, um, will begin to, um, participate in that in, that in such a way that it, f it may feel like the ego may feel to be a little story about it may feel like it's going to attain enlightenment and that seems to be necessary otherwise you wouldn't do this the ego really knew from, from the beginning that this is a as Trump says this is a ego cannot attend its own funeral so I wouldn't go make it so harsh I would just say that uh, the ego just slowly realizes, or the wisdom mind realizes that the ego is just 
another aspect of dependent origination and uh, doesn't meet, need to be gotten rid of or, or buried or killed. Different kind of teaching. Just if you see that it's unreal, then the ego is not threatening at all. And who sees? Is, who, who sees? There is no who. There's no, there's no personhood. Doesn't mean that there isn't a manifestation of a hand moving, a cup being raised, and a nose being blown. But it's just more relative truth. The identity has has a, the understanding of, of who and what has, has come together, and it's just this. There is no, there's nothing else. Even though a voice comes from over here and a voice comes from over there, fundamentally no separation. But the person who is functioning as a student still is tied into intense separation, including uh, looking up to the teacher or looking uh, down at someone else or looking down at oneself, feeling ashamed or feeling never going to get this. A teaching person, true teacher, will be able to meet that person where they're at with their permission. So this idea of trying to order people around or manipulate people is pretty disgusting. But it's done all over the place. It's done in the Zen tradition, Japanese tr tradition, the, the Theravadan tradition. All, all of them are, somebody gets to be the authority and tell everybody else what's to, what to do. You could look at this situation and say, well, aren't, aren't I doing that? A little bit. But I do it with people, not, not uh, directing people to Move around. We do it together. It's mutual. At least that feels that way to me. And most of the people that are here or have any interest in me as a teacher are fundamentally renegades. They don't want to be told what to do. Have you guys noticed that? Chazan, help me with this. Chazan, it brings up another question that, and this is maybe more. I thought you were going to help me with admitting that you're a renegade and. And uh, you fought me for years. Go ahead. It was only two years. <laughs> you only fought me for two years. The question that shows up is as your students, particularly the 10 of us that have been ordained, go deeper and deeper, there is some understanding that we really need to just be willing to do what the teacher says. But as that willingness to do as the teacher says grows, how do we continue to observe and not obey in a way that's respectful to the relationship, bowing? Uh, it's, it's individual. It's, it's, it's so incredibly individual that it's very difficult for a teacher to teach directly to a thousand people or to write a book or even to read a book about it, even if the book is, or to read the 30 verses of Asabandhu. I would rec recommend that reading that rather than reading any anything I've written or said. Read that, contemplate that. It takes a while to do that. So each person is is a is wired that each person's karma or the causes and conditions that arise as your personality or your what haunts you in the middle of the night. Totally different from someone else. And your way of working with your passion, aggression, and ignorance, your your jealousy your sadness, your happiness, your pride, your uh, shame, all of that is extremely individual. Some people are, I have students who are just confused. I'm not saying uh, 
that I think they're confused, they feel like they're confused. And I don't try to straighten that up for them. I encourage them to look at it, look at it, look at it, because they have to do it. In some traditions, they say the, the Shaktipat, that the guru touches you on the head and, and awakens you. You know, that's a that's interesting. And I'm not saying that that couldn't happen in some way, but certainly it didn't happen with me. And uh, so I'm not against that. If people need to have that kind of a, or go to the woman who hugs everybody. You know, I hug people too, but they don't particularly, um, doesn't turn on any bright lights for them. So everyone's doing this uh, in a different way. There is understanding here. There's understanding in other people. Uh, sometimes we get so confused with right and wrong and should be and shouldn't be. And we take one little situation that looks really wrong and we completely just destroy the whole ship of fools because of one fool. Don't do it. Don't do anything unless you have to. But if you have to, then do it anyway. There's enough, enough do's in there. Do, do, do. So when I say do it anyway, it's not an order. It's You could consider that you might just go ahead and push through the brambles and through the underbrush because this person that's standing next to you is saying, yes, do that. That's because that person is the brambles and the underbrush. They are the ground you're walking on. Not romantic kind of corny stuff. It's just that they're not separate from. They're still a embodied being, but they, they know that you're walking on them. They know that you're that the very neurosis there that they're dealing with it is yours. Kevin, not reading lips these days, Kevin. You have to turn on here. <laughs> uh, sorry about that. Um, when you say do it anyway, is that a way of describing exertion, bowing? Could be. There could be something there where you're you're kind of at a loss. You don't know what to do, and you don't. This isn't working. That isn't working. But it, but it's something that that you have been encouraged to do. Then yeah, there might be some exertion there, some kind of pushing. But it's the maintenance that that I talk about. Don't maintain it. So intend. Come back and exert. Get to the cushion, and then get to the cushion. Strike the bell, and then get up and go away. But at least at least observe the form. Observe, you sit down, it's seven o'clock in the morning, you strike the bell, you don't feel like sitting there. Get up. Don't maintain. Get up, go for a walk, come back, maybe sit down again, or maybe not. So be aware of what's happening rather than try to manipulate or control what's happening and use the forms that have been given to all of us down through the centuries. The, the, the sutra chanting, which uh, from the from the relative point of view doesn't mean a lot. It's just repeating the teachings over and over and over again in some other language we don't understand. But it's the repetition. Having a container, it might be the container might be just a, a meditation cushion or a chair and a box with a with a Dharma book on it or a picture of the of your teacher or a candle or maybe nothing. Maybe just maybe no box at all. Maybe no altar at all. That would be up to you. I think it's a good idea. I think it's a good idea to uh, to connect yourself with a 2,500-year-old lineage uh, if you have a connection with that person who is a teacher and you can give them the benefit of the doubt or you feel like you're getting some kind of support in some way, but don't believe anything. I say it over and over again. Don't believe anything I say. 
Kevin Bowing, could you talk about the relationship between the teaching to do it anyway and the teaching not to do anything unless you have to, Bowing? Yeah, saying the same thing. <clears throat> well, don't do anything unless you have to. And you know you have to do it, but you don't do it. So I'd say do it anyway. Yeah. You saw that coming, didn't you, Kevin? <laughs> well, it snuck on me, and I can't, it was more, I couldn't believe I fell for it. <laughs> <laughs> You're a pushover. Further <laughs> questions? Linda Bowing, um, you said it, when you started that um, so many things that we do are important, even the little things are extremely important. What do we bring to the teacher to um, look for direction? Um, different with everyone. Maybe nothing. Maybe, maybe when I say bring something, so there needs to be some kind of communication with us. You're not going to get interrogated particularly by the teacher, so you would have to you would have to bring whatever whatever that is. And it could be any number of things. So there's no there's no general prescription for that. Once you're once you become a student of a teacher, then you should be a student from now on for everything. The teacher will eventually show you a way of uh, that it has been described to introduce you to your world, which everything is a teacher. As Trung Parampaje once said, um, when someone asked, well, "What about your teachers or your gurus?" And he said. Uh, uh, Situations are my teacher. So it just means that whatever shows up, you can relate to that. Some of the, as I mentioned earlier, some of the stories that I've heard, I wasn't there. Some of the stories I've heard about him are totally disgusting. I'm, I'm to say it, you know, kind of a parental way, I'm just very disappointed in him for what he was doing there. But I don't understand what it was. I only understand my, um, Discussed with it because the way it's described is terrible. It doesn't sound like the person that, that I met that helped me profoundly. So I don't know. I don't know. Attribution is easy. I can say, well, he's an alcoholic. Well, 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 well. Probably. Well, he used cocaine. Well, okay. But it's hard to know what the actual foundation situation of anybody's life is. This is why when we someone murders someone else, to use the extreme example, uh, we we kill them or we lock them up for the rest of their life. It's just it's, it's a legalized insanity. So every person brings to the teacher the most important thing you can bring to the teacher, as far as you're concerned, is devotion. There's no requirement. The teachers, if any teacher is demanding anything, get out of there. Get out of there. Don't do it. Or if there's a sense that you that someone's trying to control you, don't do it. Now that doesn't mean that you might not feel like uh, like with someone like Shoto. I'm not going to run your example into the ground, but there's some things I've told him definitely I don't want him doing. But he could also just do those. Which makes it even harder for him because then he's thinking about well, aren't i disobeying the teacher no no there's no one to obey we're doing we do this together 
not not some kind of authority or parental figure that knows more than you do. I don't know more than you do. I know exactly what you know. That's why I'm able to do this at all. You again? <laughs> <laughs> yes, please go ahead. Jeez, I'm wondering, if it looks like fear is keeping us from stepping into that spaciousness, how can we step into that? So the downside is the fear. And the upside is you see the fear. The downside is how you do fear. And the upside is you you see it. You're there. There's no, there's no solution in the fear. What happens with passion, aggression, and ignorance, the three poisons, is fear comes up and we explain it. Passion. Well, this is because that, because my father did this, or I can do that. We can all do some of that. Or we go the other way and other way, and we just get irritated by it and push on it, shove on it, or, or get angry at somebody for um, creating the fear. Maybe get angry at the teacher. I certainly got angry at my teacher for looking so deeply into my mind and telling me what was going on there. It was very embarrassing to be seen through. Post half a century ago. So, and then the last one is to just shut it down and the ways are just to just literally ignore it. Uh, go for a walk, uh, drink a six pack, um, go talk to your a friend that is a really good listener that you can just chatter to, listen. And uh, none of, uh, none of those are wrong. They're relatively, they're relatively would work relatively, but it's a mundane path and this is a spiritual path. So therefore, look at the fear. Just, just look at it. And if you notice anything you look at without adding, no, no quote, no opinion, no comment, anything you look at without, without um, pushing it away or anything you look at without finding a way to distract yourself from it or think about something else or not be bothered or, or smooth off the points of that particular perception of that texture of that feeling, that it can't last because of the very teaching of the Buddha where he said the three marks of existence is impermanence, nothing lasts, but it will persist if you fool with it because it, you, you give it a credential, some kind of credential that it's some kind of a real thing. So because you're pushing on it and it will push back. So insofar as you can, through the sitting practice of meditation, training your mind to sit down, hold still, receive. Most profound form of generosity is to give everything your attention. Don't miss anything. If you miss something, you won't know it. That's how you know you've missed it. That sound like a Zen teaching? More? Jeez, I'm bowing. If a student brings devotion to you, what keeps you from abusing it? I don't know. It's awful tempting sometimes. I'm not separate from them. I'm not separate from you. Separated, but not separate. That doesn't mean uh, I'm not Bill Clinton. I'm not feeling your pain. I'm not a politician. I'm just saying, if I were to go literally into it, it would be the vow. The vow would be with all things. Don't object. Don't agree. Don't look away. Be with all things. Until you see that all, you are all things. There is no person who is being that. The practice may be to continue to, continue to look at that. You don't have to be something you are. So once that's realized, then there isn't anything to do. As it says, as Coventino's 
translation of the Heart Sutra, gone, gone, gone beyond, gone completely beyond. Awake, so be it. And his was falling apart, falling apart, falling apart. Uh, nothing to do, everything all at once. Everything all at once is an interesting comment. It's, there is no time. There's just this, all at once. Everything is all at once. Even that cheesecake you ate this morning. Remember that cheesecake? You know what I remember about it? The sounds you made. <laughs> because that's all I got of it. It's just the sound. <laughs> you feel sorry for me. Yeah. If a student brings you confusion and you're not separate from that confusion, how do you not feed into the confusion? How do I not feed into it? I don't have. I'm already. I'm, I am the confusion. So there's not feeding into it. There's no. There's no feeding going on. It's just that I'm here. You show up and you show me your confusion, and then we just did that this morning. Would you say so? Did it look like I was feeding into anything? What was I doing? Helping me. Really? Think so. How was that helping? Helping me go into my confusion. That may be true. Uh, doesn't feel so good over here either. The confusion. It's not about, as I said, and I think I just said, it's not about someone separate who sees that and is going to help you fix it. Nothing is broken. There's nothing to fix. We look at it that way where we might as well be just, you know, hell with the spiritual path. We'll just try to fix everything and get better. And it's not that that can't happen relatively. It can. If somebody not ready to do this kind of mind training, and we're doing this and we're helping somebody who there's no way they're ever going to meditate, but they're having difficulty, meet them where they're at. Help them where they're at. That means you could, you know, maybe I'll just go off on a, on a, rant here. You could talk to them about astrology. You could talk to them about about uh, Enneagram. You could talk to them about, uh, you could read their tarot cards. You could read their palm. Could you follow me a little bit? I mean, meet them. I don't mean you should do any of those things or learn them, but meet them with that. Meet them in their neighborhood, like just like Mr. Rogers did. Now, wait a minute. He set up his own neighborhood. <laughs> you should all watch that movie. It's quite a good movie. What is it? A Wonderful Day in the Neighborhood or something like that? It's a good, good movie. With Tom, Tom Hanks? Yes. So, I get a commission. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this is kind of a it's very sweet movie. So, meet, just meet people where they're at. If they're, you know, good practice is meeting a child where he or she is at. With them, not condescending about, just meet them in that. They don't like you, let them not like you. Let them run away, let them do something else. They'll be back, especially if they, if they sense that you don't really care. And they'll be back. <laughs> like Rumi controls everybody here because Rumi has some people he really loves and likes and other people he hates. And we all know it. <laughs> we all know who we are. <laughs> but, we, but he is allowed to have that. He is incredibly powerful personality. This, this, this young man is powerful. And, we, and he's in a perfect place to uh, uh, realize his true nature. 
to take some time. More. Katie. Katie Bowen. Um, I know a couple of people that have been in prison for different things and are out. How do I support their healing without getting sucked into the negativity and without shutting down completely and blocking them out? But you talk to them on the phone or in person? Um, one used to be in person, the other one it's um, usually through social media, but that person is more engaging and wanting help, but I recognize this was just, uh, you know the thing I talk about ninety listen ninety percent of the time talk ten and it probably will come more into you know forty or sixty or fifty fifty but if you have that kind of a form then you can see how the form you can't quite do that that's a hard one to do if you were actually counting the percentage receiving from them give them give them your attention people love that they, they want to be heard people want to talk about. And you know, they may be going in circles or this circle, that circle, but if you don't respond supporting, I mean, you can say, sounds hard, sounds difficult. Well, that would be a challenge for me too if I were doing that. You can go along a little bit in order to participate, but less is better in that situation so that you actually help the person, you give them a kind of a sounding board where they kind of begin to see their circles themselves. But if they, uh, um, I could I could say more, but I, I but it gets into kind of um, strategy around it, and and I think you you know you know just to receive, receive, listen to them, commiserate a little bit, but not too much. Katie Bowling, in um, both cases, they are very much caught up in victim mode. Yeah. And. Don't correct that. I, yeah, I don't, but I don't okay. know what to say or what to do or what not to do. Don't so, do anything. So just let them act the victim and, they, and don't respond. Just what? Just what? Act the victim. They're actively, actively pushing people away and throwing temper tantrums at people because they're not getting their way. And I'm watching it and I'm not part of the dynamic no. in that moment. What they're talking about. I'm watching it in real time, like how they're interacting with other people and they're um, destroying relationships and I can see what they're doing and I don't think it's my place to meddle, but at the same time, it's hard to watch it happen. And well, don't something. watch it. Take a break. Go somewhere else. If it's, if it's coming to the point where you think you have to interfere, mm -hmm. you have to respect people's confusion. This doesn't mean let this person kill that person. That's starting to happen. You should come up and and stop them with that kind of intensity. They're isolating themselves. They're pushing away everybody around them that cares about them because they're not getting their way. Yeah, it's just called it's karma. It's dependent origination. So just the very best thing. Don't don't suggest that they meditate. Don't do any of that stuff. Just just listen to them. And if it's diff it gets difficult for you, shorten the amount of time you spend with them. But when you have spend that time. What do they call it? Like quality time. Yeah. The quality time is just listen to them. You might not have anybody that can listen to them. You might be the only one that doesn't argue with them or try to correct them or try to fix them or try to get them to act a different way. Sure. Sure, going. Um, 
with with the idea of do it anyway yes is there a way we can relate to that with intention and not obedience well we've talked about that quite a bit you know you're not obeying me that makes it that makes it difficult because i won't i don't hold you to it i tell you and then i watch what you do and what you and i respect what you do so even if you were to come back and say what you told me not to do, I did that. I would say, okay, now what do we do? Where do we go? Where do we go from here? What does that mean? Or does that have any import? Or whether it's uh, you, your habituation to some situation, or anyone else's, you just meet it where it's at and try to work with it together. Cheryl Bowling, does going against what you very clearly have asked someone not to do, no. does that break down the teacher-student relationship? Well, it can. It depends on what it is. It depends on what it is. It's like if someone has a gambling addiction, and they call it that themselves, then I would say, don't do that. And I, would, I would say, stay in touch with me. And every time I might talk with that person, they might still say, uh, I'm working on it or I'm doing it. The communication is important, not the result. If you go for results, you know, it's, it just doesn't work. Not that there couldn't be results, but the results have to be, uh, to use the only word I can think of, it was kind of incidental to the awareness about what's happening. It has to be the awareness. Incidental. You, you won't celebrate incidental results, even though they might be powerful, might have saved your life, saved your paycheck. Anyone on Zoom have a question? Thank you, Bowing. Go ahead, thank you. Um, I have a question about not doing anything unless you have to. Okay. Um, if one has a tendency to believe their emotions and let their emotions inform the direction that they go in, how can one see clearly what they have to do? Bowing. So uh, when I say don't believe your thoughts, your feelings, don't disbelieve, don't look away, I know you can't do that. I, I can't do it either. But to, to take that, to endeavor to take that attitude uh, helps us see the, the, the extent to which we are attached to our feelings by saying, well, I just won't believe that feeling. Pardon me. But then the feeling comes up and we, when we put, put a little bit of attention on that feeling, we notice that, no, you're not going to be able to you're not going to be able to get rid of that kind of knee-jerk belief in it. We just believe that. So it's about uh, just continuing to watch that without fighting with it. Uh, don't try to chase it away. Uh, get rid of it, explain it, or cover it up. And so it's, that's, that's the path quality of it. We're actually on a path to begin to understand that. Sit as much as you can, as much Rumi, as Rumi will let you. And... and and see what moves. Watch the movement. Train your mind to watch what moves, comes and goes without adding, subtracting, or dividing. And then whatever is happening in your life stream, that same um, awareness, that same, you could call it an ability, or that same tendency, or that same uh, new kind of conditioning. You're conditioning yourself to just watch, just observe, and just receive the movement of the mind stream. And uh, regardless of its, of its uh, the density of the feelings and the emotions, 
And this way, when you do see the way in which you believe the emotion, because you've been working with that, you will also see the other uh, trailers off from the emotion uh, that show where it's getting its fuel from and why it's so damn believable. Just observe that. Your, uh, your style is very much back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, which is ideal for the kind of work you do because you, you feel as confused as your clients. Very helpful. Choo-choo. A question from Leon. What are your thoughts on the usefulness of developing the Hara or Dantian that is so much emphasized in Zen? I don't emphasize uh, the Hara or Dantian. And that's just a central location. Uh, the traditional way is to sit in Cosmic Mudra and, uh, and hold it right here in your midsection in the, in the Hara or Dantian. Um, let me do that if you want to, because it's kind of tiring. But some people like that. Some people bring that up and that actually helps them maintain a more symmetrical posture. Um, I'm fine with putting it in your lap, putting it on a cushion, putting it in your hands on your, your knees as a cosmic, uh, not cosmic mudra, but resting the mind mudra. I think it's different with each person. Um, I don't, I don't encourage that, but I also, I'm not going to discourage that because I don't know what it's like to be you. Uh, yeah, I don't know what what dynamics you're working with. If you were here in the monastery, and I, like some people sit, there's a few people that can sit in the full lotus very easily, and other people can't even sit on the floor. They have to sit on a chair. Everyone's body mind complex is different. So if you that emphasis is in traditional Zen, it's a very macho orientation there, uh, based on uh, not based on the Buddha necessarily. Although he, the sculptures has his his hands like this or like this, uh, different postures, left over usually a, a, a right over left, but uh, it's uh, it may help you to to be more present or something. So I would leave it up to you to do that. But I don't I don't encourage it. It's it's too much enforcement of of uh, centrality, central, it's too much enforcement of that. The way I see it, just an idea about it, having done that. A question from Lydia. Lydia. Can you talk a bit about the fourth of the four reminders? So which one is that? <laughs> Remind me. So it's not, uh, huh? you, are you speaking in Chinese? He knows. He knows them. Anyone have them memorized? You have them memorized? You got to get it right. <laughs> the homes, friends, welcome, comforts, the samsara, the constituents, the three sufferings. Just like the, much, just like a feast before the right. execution is to the dead. I will, I must. Huh. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so it is a the four reminders. Uh, I emphasize the first one, but also as I've somewhat shared with some of you back thirty years ago, I was saying these every morning. I would get up over and over and over again because I was in so much distress with myself, and I would just say first contemplate the preciousness of being free and well favored. Then I would re recall that remember I'm here, I'm free to 
get out of bed or not, I'm free to, and I, I'm well favored in that I at least have an open mind to this teaching and I'm able to to receive this uh, as somewhat and consider these uh, incredible teachings. So the last one, how'd that go again? The harm, friends, wealth encompasses and sorrow, constant torments of the three sufferings. What are the three sufferings? Um, pain of pain. Pain of pain. Pain of the composite. Pain of the composite. Pain of What's the, the pain of the composite? Um, dependent origination. Well, what was the, the last one you're going to, that last one should come second, shouldn't it? Yeah, got it in the wrong order. You, you actually got something wrong. The pain is, yeah, but I knew it, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now I see Don. <laughs> uh, have I ever got the perfect name for you? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what it is. Okay. <laughs> I've told a few people and they all laugh. Yeah, I, I'm waiting for the big laugh when I find out. Yeah, you might sob. You might cry. <laughs> Need more on that? <laughs> <laughs> so, the pain of pain, the pain of alternation, and the pain of the composite are pain. You have feel pain, and the pain of alternation is you're doing fine. I mean, everything is great, but and you're eating cheesecake, but there's only so much left. <laughs> And what when it's gone? Even though it's not gone, you're enjoying it. So you're having pleasure, you're enjoying it. But instead of just enjoying it and being, as they say, what, in the present moment, I guess you'd say, right here and just enjoying that, instead we're fretting about the future. It will be gone. So that's a pain of alternation, seeing that nothing lasts. The most pleasant thing going away. Life is going away, pleasant or unpleasant. It's not going to last, regardless of how you feel about it. And the pain of the composite, Traditionally, is said to be seen by uh, the Bodhisattva, someone who has transcended, uh, so has seen through the self, but is still confused by other. Has seen that there is no solid self in this conscious form, feeling, perception, concept, consciousness. Those structures that describe or explain what's happening in the body-mind complex, and are assumed to be someone because there's a body, so I must be here. Uh, I have control. I can move this hand. You can put it down, you can raise it again, put it back down. So I have control, but that control only goes so far, quite limited. So uh, the pain of the composite is one who sees through this and has begun to see through, um, uh, see that the whole world is suffering. And so even though your own suffering, as it says in the Four Noble Truths, life is suffering, the cause is desire, the goal is cessation, and the the cessation comes through Shila Samadhi and Prajna or train your mind. Or, but what happens is you, the suffering doesn't go away. It just, what happens is rather than Naroda or cessation, what happens is the belief in itself or the, the belief that there's someone who is suffering. The suffering still keeps coming. It could even increase. As uh, His Holiness, the 16th Karmapa, I have to paraphrase the story because I don't remember it exactly when he walked out onto a balcony. I think it was in Hong Kong. This is a, a this is a Bodhisattva. His Holiness the 16th Karmapa died in 1981. Walked out onto the veranda, took one look over the city of uh, of Hong Kong, and collapsed because of the, the the pain that he saw, the pain that he was receiving. Does that explain anything? I don't know. That fourth, fourth uh, 
uh, reminder is uh, very powerful in the sense of, of looking at the nature of suffering deeply and seeing that we, we need to train our minds to see what this is for ourselves. It's not something to believe in, although some cultures actually treat Buddhism as, as something to believe in. Maybe you might need to do that to some extent. I don't particularly particularly believe in anything. Further questions? I don't know where we're at as far as time. Yokido Bowing. Yokido, go ahead. Um, Sultram has a question in the chat box. Sultram. Sultram Bowing, should the approach to the path be any different for someone whose ego structure tends more toward wanting to be invisible, nobody? Thank you, Bowing. Well, if you stay on this path, you're going to get your wish. But being actually being nobody, uh, you might have a higher profile than you've ever had. So I, I don't know what to say other than just continue. If you see this person as your teacher, which I, uh, currently I think you do, then just continue. Continue to do, do continue to do just what you're doing. Could you yawn? Is anyone else yawning? Getting tired of this? I don't know what time it is. Twelve twenty-five. That's probably good enough. Isn't it? One last question, John Roadhouse. Don't you have a question? I'm going to sit there in that blue shirt. Oh, wait a minute. That's a photograph of you. <laughs> <laughs> Here he is. Well, since you ask, <laughs> I, <friend. did. laughs> I was really interested and appreciated actually your um, comment earlier about no limits. And I wonder if you care to say any more about that. No limits? No limits. Uh, the, the, the imp the imputed or the idea about uh, limitations are based on uh, belief in a separate being who can be limited uh, on skin and bones, limitations on walls, limitations, as it says in the Heart Sutra, without walls in the mind. When the walls in the mind are gone, are seen through or seen to be unreal, as it's uh, talked about, then there isn't anything that isn't yours. You don't, there's no ownership, but there isn't anything that doesn't belong to you, that does not belong to, to you and is not your heartbeat, everything, whether it's in this lifetime and another lifetime, whether the lifetime has gone away, not separate, not separate, not separate, not separate anywhere. If you see it, you may be a, uh, you may be just a voice saying, this is not separate. Yeah. That's what's being said here. That's how I teach. 20 years ago, or even less than that, I was too paranoid to say anything about what I was seeing. So for many years, I did not say what I was seeing, because I was concerned about being wrong. I'm no longer concerned about being wrong. I'm always wrong. There's no way you can open your mouth without lying. More, John? Or less? Oh, that's very good. That's very good. I really, <laughs> I relate to that a lot. And, um, and I just appreciate the way you express that. And uh, uh, yeah, there's more I can say about that, but I, I, I just think it's, 
that's a profound that's a profound thing you just said and um if that's in combination with paying attention yes that's good i think it is too <laughs> okay shall we close and do other things we'll dedicate the merit May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. The three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prashna, Paramita. O Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of the Ten Directions and the Three Times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect Soku Koji Buddhist Temple Monastery, our Sangha families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering and fill them with light. If you value the teachings of Sokozan and you would like to support his teaching work and the functions of Sokukoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, which also supports monk and practice residents, please consider giving a donation by visiting our website at sokukoji.org.